Glad you're here today. I know now because of communion, we're going to have a little sermonette to Christianettes. I forget how that saying goes, but, um, but so let's open our Bibles and what I'd like you to do is turn to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9. We are talking about uh, interpreting your life. And we all interpret, we all have a take on what's happening in our life. And yet, uh, take two people, and we've looked at this over the last two weeks. For example, the spies that went out, spy out the promised land. You take two, of the, you know, two people that go through the exact same experience... And nine times out of ten, they're going to have totally different takes on the very same things they experienced. Why is that? Why do two people in life who go through similar things have a totally different perspective on it? Why do you have a different perspective than the person sitting next to you? And a lot of it has to do with the things we've talked about. Uh, in fact, the outline is reflection. That is, what do we think, of, think about? As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, whatever you meditate on, whatever goes on in your mind, is going to greatly determine your perspective or the way you interpret life. And like the spies, they saw the exact same thing and experienced and heard the same words, and yet they had two totally opposite takes on life. And that's true with the Christian life. Secondly, our response the way we respond to the things that go on around us shapes our interpretation on life and actually also reveals what our interpretation is. And God holds us responsible for our words. God holds us responsible. Uh, he held the spies responsible. Now, if you remember, just going back in Numbers 13 in our mind, God told them, I want you, all 12 of you, to go and, and spy out the land of Canaan, what it is, whether it's good or bad, whether there's giants in the, in the land, whether there's walled cities. I want you to come back and give me an honest report. And they did. But unfortunately, only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, cushioned or couched their perspective based on the promises of God. God said, I'm giving you that land. Joshua and Caleb lived that. The other ten forgot that. And we forget God's promises sometimes, don't we? When we despair and, and we interpret life wrong. Well, the last part part today, part three, uh, our interpretation of life has a great deal, great deal to do with our relationships. So first we had our reflection, what we think about. Then we had our response, how we respond to things. And now we're going to have our relationship our interpretation of life is greatly determined by our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope today that if you have not walked by faith, if you've not looked at life through God's perspective, that you will begin to do so. Look at Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21. In the first message I did, I mentioned the two psalms and a proverbs. And we already looked at the psalm, uh, but we are going to... Uh, in fact, I, did I say two psalms, two proverbs and a psalm? No, whatever it is. There's one from one and two from the other. Look at Proverbs 19 and, and verse um, 21. The Bible says, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. 
Let's bow in prayer first. Father, help us today in the next few minutes to consider our relationship with you and how much that affects our outlook on life, our interpretation of life. Father, there are no doubt will be some that are listening to this or watching this online and that, that do not have a relationship with you. And so their perspective is going to be totally different. Help them, Father, to understand that whether they realize it or not, you are intimately involved in our lives, believer and unbeliever, with purposes uh, for each one of them. And we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to talk today about what's called the sovereignty of God, the fact that God is overall, God is in charge, and God is working things out in our lives. That's revealed in Scripture. He is the omnipotent God. And according to Ephesians chapter 1, He's the God that works all things after the counsel of His own will. And according to Romans 8.28, if you're a child of God, you've been saved and called according to His purpose, He works everything out for good to you because you're called according to His purpose. But look at Proverbs 19 and verse 21. The Bible says there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. We looked at this the first week, and I mentioned somewhat ironically that what's it mean there's many devices in a man's heart? It's not talking about iPads, iPhones, or anything in our heart. And it's not even talking about a pacemaker. Because pacemakers are devices, and they are in our heart. But that's not the idea where he's going with this. The word devices is the idea of people's intentions, people's planning. We all have devices. We all, we all have intentions. We all have things that we think through. We make our plans and we do that. But, it says, nevertheless, the counsel, and by the, word, the way, the word in verse 21, Proverbs 19, 21, the word for counsel is connected to the word devices. So, there are many devices, planning, strategies in a, in a man's heart. But, nevertheless, the counsel or the purposes of the... Uh, nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. In other words, you and I make our plans, and yet God's the one that gets the final say. That's the idea of this verse. There's a, a saying that came from a, um, from a poem, I believe it was, by Robert Burns, called To a Mouse. And here's the phrase, the best laid plans of mice and men. And I've used that a lot, and I never really thought about it until the last couple weeks. Because we are at war with the mice in our home. And it ain't pretty. It is not pretty. I mean, we've got, we've got mice that are like eating our pasta out of the cupboard and, I mean, I'm setting up traps. Pretty soon I'm going to have to call Modern and just end this thing. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> we are free plug, Jim. That'll be $50 for you to know. So, I mean, we're using decom. We're using mouse traps. And all of a sudden, I've started thinking about this, the best laid plans of mice and men. Well, they're certainly plotting. And, and I'm plotting. You know, but think of that phrase, the best laid plans of mice and men. In fact, it comes from a, a broader quote which is the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. In other words, you and I, we make our plans, but it doesn't always go the way we plan, right? And that goes back to this proverb. Why? Because God is in charge. 
fact, that's why James says, Go to now, ye that, that say today or tomorrow we're going to do this and do that, get gain. And he says, you don't know what your life is, what t- tomorrow is. He says that we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall do this or that. See, we are acknowledging God's in charge, not me. Have you acknowledged that in your life? Have you come to understand that you are not the master of your life? Proverbs 16 and and verse 9, here's another one now. The Bible says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. It's the same, very similar to what Proverbs 19.21 is saying. A man's heart devises his way. In other words, we, we design, we have... We have expectations, we have dreams, and hope that we, we hope to fulfill. But the Lord directs our steps. The Lord gets the final say. And by the way, let's go back to the commandments of God we we're talking about. Listen, God is a loving God. And if He is thwarting your plans, it's not, it's not because He's this conniving, malicious God. He loves you. And sometimes for our own good, he puts roadblocks in our lives because he's trying to get our attention because he loves us. You have to see that. We do not have a maniacal God that is just waiting for someone to step out of line so he can zap us. He loves us. There are two books in the Bible where there is no mention of God. Isn't that amazing? Two books of the Bible that don't mention God. Anybody know what they are? Somebody want to say one of them out loud? Whoa, so many of you are hearing all these different ones. Jim hired, Jim's the one I'm going to quote. He said, Esther, what else? Who else said Esther to see you get credit? Anybody, okay, you guys all get credit. Credit, credit, credit. All right. Anybody know what the other one was? What's that? Ecclesiastes, good guess. Because that's, and you're kind of along the right lines there as far like, as far as like, What's that? Yes, it's Song of Solomon. But let's talk about Esther, okay? Because it's interesting that the, the book of Esther never mentions God. But I've preached this before that as a believer, you read that, you cannot help but see that God is working behind the scenes in a major way. And yet there's no mention of God. But he, here's a verse. If you remember all this going on in Esther, there's this big conspiracy, Haman. And the, it's, just, it's a fascinating book. And here you've got Esther's um, uncle, Mordecai, who uh, intervenes uh, because of, you know, Esther marries the king who was, the Jews are set for destruction. I'm trying to give you like the, what do you call that, the cliff notes. I'm trying to give you the cliff notes of the cliff notes. And, um, and so you've got this major plot going on. And in Esther chapter 4 and verse 14, Mordecai is talking to Esther and he says, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time. In other words, Esther, the, the destiny and the, the existence of the Jewish people is at your hands. And he said again, if you hold your peace, there shall, be, there shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now that statement right there though it doesn't have the word God in it, it screams that there is someone involved orchestrating the affairs of this lady's life and the Jews. Who knows whether you've, 
You've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words, life is not all just happenstance and random, you know, this happens for no reason. There is a God orchestrating everything. And he may have brought you here for this purpose. And then here's what Esther says in Esther chapter 4 and verse 16. She says to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, that's the palace, and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also, my maidens, will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Why is Esther telling people to fast? Well, because it's physically beneficial. She's saying, we got to do business with God, though she doesn't mention God. She's seeing God behind the scenes. Do you see God behind the scenes in your life? Too many people don't. And it's so sad because God is intimately involved, even whether you're a believer or not. He's draw if you're not saved, he is drawing people to him, himself. He wants you to be saved. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's in your life working. So it's interesting then. The Bible says in James, James chapter four and verse two, it says, You have not because you ask not. In other words, your relationship with the Lord is going to greatly affect your interpretation of life. And if, you, if you've left God out, you're not praying. You're not seeing the hand of God behind the affairs of your life. Then that's going to affect your interpretation of life. And it's not going to be accurate. Because you're, you're failing to understand that God is very involved. Now let's go to the psalm. Two Proverbs and a psalm. Psalm 33. Psalm 33 and verse 10. Now we got started late because of prayer, because of prayer meeting, because of uh, communion. And I know I already did a whole lot of talking during communion. But I'm going to maybe ask for a couple extra minutes. I'm really going to try not to go too far over. But got a couple quick things that I need to say. Look at Psalm 33 and verse 10. The Bible says, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people. And again, not a reference to your device, your iPhone, your iPad, your shuffle, whatever. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The Lord bringeth the counsel, that's the connivings, the plans of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices, the, the, again, the intentions and the workings of the people of none effect. That means God is in charge. He's in charge of your life. So what is he doing in your life? And are you seeing his hand? A couple weeks ago, the very week when I started this series, my, my daughter was on her way home, I think from work. And as she's driving down the road, there was, I think, a pickup truck in front of her. And all of a sudden, a telephone pole, which apparently had rotted out, fell and crashed right on the truck in front of her, missing the driver by inches. That man would have died if it had landed on him. And my daughter was right behind him. And, and I think, when I think of things like that, wow, 
I wonder if that man realized how blessed he was that he didn't die. See, a lot of people would have gone through that and they would have been looked at the, got out of the car and he did get out of the car. They looked at it and said, whoo, thank my lucky stars. You know, wait a minute. This is not anything about a lucky star. This is about the omnipotent God. That could have very easily, and of course as a dad, that's what I'm thinking. Oh my goodness. My daughter, our whole lives could have just been turned upside down. I mean, just a couple seconds later, that thing could have fallen on my precious girl. And this, this whole scenario would have been different. Whew, thank our lucky stars. No, praise God. Now I understand. That could have been. God could have ordained that that was the day my daughter seeks, you know, meets the Lord. But there's such a, such a comfort in knowing I'm not in charge. God's in charge. And that makes all the difference in the world. God is in charge. By the way, when things like that happen, and I imagine for the next three years, my, da- my daughter as she's driving is going to be looking at every telephone pole. You know, like anticipating. All right. You know how things work that way. I was telling, I forget who I was telling, maybe Bill. Um, when we were on vacation, many of you know, we had a, our car broke down on the way. Taking, we were taking our son to camp, and the car broke down, smoke billowing out the back, and uh, we had to get a rental car. We were in New Hampshire. Um, New Hampshire has a couple rental car companies, but we called all the, you know, we called U-Haul, not U-Haul, excuse me, we called Enterprise, and then one of those other ones, and they didn't have any cars to rent. And, and here we are. We're stuck. Got to get our son to camp. We have a place to stay. And someone suggested, try U-Haul. U-Haul. Never thought of that. We're not, we're not moving anything, but we want to move ourselves. And lo and behold, U-Haul had like a whole fleet of vans for prices that you could never get a rental car. So a little advice, free advice. If you're ever somewhere you break down, as long as you don't have like a family of five, unless the kids don't mind, you know, in the back of the van, U-Haul is the way to go. And it it saved us that week. So we got a cheap U-Haul. And they have really nice brand new thing. You know, on the side it says like 1999 a day or something. And, And air conditioning, I like air conditioning. As many of you know, it really worked good. And so this whole week, while our car was being fixed, we're driving around in this brand new U-Haul, and I'm praising the Lord. Well, don't you know, after I return the U-Haul, for like the next two weeks, everywhere I turn, I see those U-Haul vans. <laughs> I, I'm sure they've been in my life before, and I've driven by them oblivious to it. But now all of a sudden, oh, there's one of those U-Haul vans. Oh, look, there's a U- and I'm seeing them everywhere. Because it's now on my mind. God wants you and I to see Him everywhere because He's there. And maybe you go through your life like I used to go through my life, oblivious to U-Hauls. A lot of Christians will go through life oblivious to God in their life. I want you to... You know what, take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. That will be my last point. I want to share with you a, 
as many of you know, one of our mission, one of our missionary couples, Terry and and Carrie, Carrie and Terry Sinus, I have been praying for many years that some opportunity would be available that we could take our kids on a short-term missions trip. And for years, everywhere I looked, dead end, dead end, dead end. And then uh, we had a guy named Jim Starr uh, at our church one time, and I mentioned this thing to him. Do you know anywhere where they do short-term mission trips? And he's the one that mentioned to me, Carrie and Terry Starr, no, Carrie and Terry Sinus, and that they take, every year they take short-term missions trips to Grenada. I've been there three times, took my kids, my daughters first, and my one son. And what a blessing, what a blessing uh, to to have that short-term missions trip. Now, Carrie is such a precious man. He be, in, in those few short years, he became a very dear friend. Just a, both he and his wife. Precious, precious man. And, um, and he passed suddenly during the pandemic. Went out to ride his bike. Had a heart attack, I believe it was, or maybe an aneurysm, and he just dropped. He died. And his dear wife struggled for the longest time. And, you know, that is, I can't imagine and shortly after he passed, she posted online a, a devotional that she was reading. Um, she posted this on, in May of 2021. And listen to this devotional. It's a, it's a good challenge. It has to do with interpreting our life. This writer, Paul Tripp, said, Even though you're a person of faith who has acquired some degree of biblical literacy and theological knowledge, There's one thing you can be sure of. God will confuse you. Your theology will give you only a limited ability to exegete your experiences. I love that phrase. You see, we can exegete the scriptures because that's how God has spoken. And we can study that and be confident if we're rightly dividing the word that this is what God says. But then when we take our eyes off the scripture and we look at our experiences, that's a lot harder to exegete. In other words, to be able to look at our experiences and, and know exactly what God is doing. It says the commands, principles, and case studies of scripture will take you only so far in your quest to figure out your life. There will be moments when you simply don't understand what is going on. Amen. In fact, you will face moments when what the God who has declared himself to be good brings into your life won't seem good. It may even seem very bad. Now listen to this. Now if your faith is based on your ability to fully understand your past, present, and future, then your moments of confusion will become moments of weakening faith. I want to read that again. Take note of this. If our faith is based on our ability to fully understand our past, present, and future, then our moments of confusion will become times of great weakening faith. But our faith should not be based on being able to fully know at all times what's going on in our life. We have certain bedrock principles. God is good. We know that. Do we always see it or do we always know what He's doing in our life? No, and it's okay. All right, let's real quickly, we're, we're wrapping up here. Take, go to, um, did I tell you to go to 2 Corinthians 4? All right, if you're not there, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to bring something out that uh, Dr. Alan Griffith, who's my pastor, to this day, he's still my pastor. I love that man. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15, in his book called 
victory over trial and trouble. I'm pretty sure this is where I got the quote. I know it came from him, so if i am got the wrong source. But he expounds 2 Corinthians 4.15, and he brings out something so beautiful that I want to close with. Paul is writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. And he's talking about their trials and what's going on in their life. And listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. Let this sink deep into your heart. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. All things are for your sakes. All things are for you. Here's what he said. Things don't happen to you. You know, that's when we often, Oh no, what is happening to me? Like, oh, this thing has come upon me. He says, things don't happen to you. Things happen for you. Do you get the difference? All things are for your sakes. Things don't happen to us. Things happen for us. I love that that clear, simple distinction. Because it reminds me that when I don't know what's going on in my life, the God of heaven is in complete control. And he hasn't left me out. And he hasn't left you out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, give us an understanding not to necessarily interpret everything that's going on in our lives, but to be able to know who you are. And Lord, sometimes we struggle with that. Thank you for those in our lives who uh, will believe for us, as we talked about that couple recently, Lord, that had conjoined twins and their faith was shaking and their brothers and sisters in Christ rallied around them and said, we'll believe for you. Father, with that kind of a idea, just help us to bear one another's burdens. Lord, I know there's folks struggling. And uh, Lord, they're having a hard time seeing how you are good. Uh, we know you are good. And Lord, we can't always interpret our lives clearly because sometimes we don't know what you're doing, but we know you are good. And that the things that are happening to us are really happening for us. Help us to rest in that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.